1: Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast tonight. Tonight, I have a dear friend of mine here on the show. His name is Elohim Leafar. He lives in New York City, New York. He's an astrologer, dowser, and traditional shaman who also serves as an author, blogger, and regular columnist of national and international publication, publications. He became a practitioner of the Afro-Caribbean religion, Yoruba, at age 16, teaches courses on worships, and has participated in various cultural projects in Venezuela. Visit him at www.elhoimleafar.com, that is E-L-H-O-I-M, L e a f a r, dot com. I can't believe I was able to uh, spell. You know, spelling is so hard in English. Don't you think so? Welcome to the show, Elohim.
2: Thank you. Uh, it's complicated to spelling in every language, I think. But English is like uh, a very strange language when you are translating in your, ha- in your head and your hair. From any other language from Portuguese or from Spanish, something to English. The words are like, this really fits here because there are many things that we can't really translate. And when you are trying to spell something, your brain is translating word by word and sometimes you feel like these words don't have really sense.
1: It is really complicated. Do you speak Portuguese too?
2: A little bit because I grew up very close to Brazil. So it's not a language that I say public it's not like I'm saying to everybody, oh, I talk Portuguese, but I feel very comfortable in a conversation if the opportunity appears. Because in Venezuela, you um, certain things that you give for granted what you're learning in the process are Italian, Portuguese, and cooking. Uh, you learn those three things very easily because we ha- we are we have all these famous beachy um, beach places uh in the whole coast um to the ocean we have a lot of tourists in the country we have so many hotels and we have visitors from many parts of the world Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a very strong influence from spain italy and portugal and we are just next to brazil Mm -hmm. our frontier with brazil is like inexistent practically i mean people you can just drive to Brazil or to, or to Colombia if you want to buy something, and you just come back. Like, for, for example, I remember my cousins. Usually, they live very close to Colombia, and they travel to Colombia. They cross the frontier just because the gas for the car was a little uh, more expensive there. Mm-hmm. So they could, so you can fill the tank of your car in Venezuela, and you just travel like 50 minutes, and you can resell your Gas from your car for our most expensive price. Because, you know, Latin American people, we are like more um grounded in the togetherness, in the we don't really look too much for barriers and, and walls and that kind of stuff. So you end learning a lot, not just languages, but also different cultures and different food. Like, for example, if you travel to Colombia, they have arepas too, they have empanadas like us. Uh, mm-hmm is a very different culture like we can compare for example with mexico because we are more close to the united states you are a little bit more in north america so for cultures we continue being latinos but the culture feels a bit different especially with the food uh we call tortas to the cake you call tortas to what well, for us it's like a, some kind of sandwich
1: yeah you yeah.
2: know kind of things. Uh, we continue using the same language, but we have a different culture,
1: and people don't understand how different we are. We yeah. are completely different. like I feel cause I'm from Mexico City, right? I grew up in Mexico City, and I'm surrounded by nothing but Mexico, right? If I want to go to say Guatemala, which is the closest water of the least, I have to travel. 18 hours in car and if I want to come to United States in car you know it's like another probably 24 hours I don't know it's it's so far so for me growing up in Mexico City everything that surrounds me is Mexico and I never had um, we get external culture when we visit Mm -hmm. port cities like if you go to Veracruz if you go to uh, Tabasco, Campeche, Cancun, Cancun has a lot of influence, uh, obviously, you know, Afro-Caribbean influence, but in Mexico City, is it's nothing, and we are very, very um, in contact with the culture of the United States, so yes, and when people ask me, you know, like, you grow up here, like, no, I grew up in Mexico City, but it's, like, very influenced by United States and the culture.
2: Exactly. In, in Venezuela, uh, this have a good thing and a bad one. It's not so bad, but it's complicated to identify your own culture because Venezuela is this cost country with a strong influence from Spain, from Italy, from Portugal. Um, Brazil is next to us. So it's very common that, for example, our food and a lot of words in our language are not exactly like Venezuelan Spanish. It's just some kind of multicultural Spanish. We have words from Peru, we have words from Chile, we have words from Argentina. And um, you go to the school, and the teacher is, when, is teaching you Spanish. Uh, in high school, sometimes you identify words that, oh, this is not Spanish, this is actually Portuguese. Oh, this word is not actually Spanish, this is Italian. And you grow up using these words all your life because your neighbor use them. And then when you grow up, you identify, oh, this is actually. It's part of my Latin culture, but it's not part of my Venezuelan country culture, and that happens a lot in South America because you know, um, I don't want to put here the, the uh white colonizing, colonization, yeah, yeah, history, but because of that, because that's the root, our countries in some way struggle together, and mm-hmm. we have different. The- spirit of migration. You know, a lot of people from Peru travel to Venezuela, and living there, a lot of people from Brazil travel to Venezuela. Many people from Venezuela travel to Colombia. Um, All all, all English teachers come from Trinidad and Tobago. It's practically impossible to find that English teachers in Venezuela who don't come from there. That's why even for English, it's different than the English that you're receiving in other schools in other countries because all our English teachers come directly from Trinidad and Tobago, which is next to us. And all of them have this British, a little French pronunciation and words in their English. That's the reason why many times people say that when I'm taught English, uh looks like I'm trying to pretend to be East European, but that's just how I learn English. Yeah. Those are the words pronunciation that they teach me because we have this very strong influence in there. And you know, it's all Latin America is this very big, beautiful part of the continent. We have so many cultures, we have a beautiful language, but all of this also comes from the struggle of our people because, uh, for example, when some when we have any kind of discussion in Spanish between a person from Mexico, or a person from Puerto Rico, with a person from Colombia, or from Paraguay, even when we have different words, we always try to connect with the other person and we always make an effort to understand what you are saying. No, nobody's mocking you like, oh, you're using this word in this wrong way. No, it's not a wrong way, it's just a different way to do it because we continue being Latin people. Mm-hmm.
1: And the influence, where people don't realize, I it reminds me a little bit of how it is said that it's in Europe, right? That all countries have like seeped culturally into each other. Yeah. And that's, that's what you're reminding me. I don't know. Cause I've never gone to Venezuela, Brazil, or like I, the only place I went to after Mexico was here, Chicago. So those are the only cultures that I know. And to me, it sounds beautiful that you have all these neighboring countries where there is a, Cooperation, cultural um, sharing of concepts and words and food, right? Yeah. Because the culture you 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 eat the culture. You, exactly. You the, the culture. Yeah, for
2: example, in New Year is common that people travel to Brazil uh, to celebrate in New Year because they have they made these really big parties and they have different the, the economy in Brazil fits different. Or if you want to travel to places like Peru, you just travel through Amazonas and in like two weeks you are in Peru. And it's a lot of Peruvian people and Peruvian influence and delicious Peruvian food also in Venezuela. Because we just in some way share the locations, Uh, we just move around. So when you grow up in your high school, you don't feel. I think that's the reason why. For us, like immigrants, when we are in, in like the States, the conception of races hits so strong for us because we are not used to these kind of things. Because when you grow up in your high school and you're in the classroom with all your uh, other students next to you, and you are talking with anyone, oh, my mother comes from Brazil, my father comes from Colombia, the other one comes from Peru, the other one comes from Nicaragua, the other one comes from Paraguay, the other one comes from El Salvador. And nobody's like, oh, you're different. He's with that crowd or oh, the Colombian, uh, the students, just sitting with Colombian students. No, everybody with everybody. We eat the same food. We are taking the same classes. We are hating the same teachers. You know, it's a whole cooperation experience in some way. We just grow up, uh, feeling like we are the same with different backgrounds, but, but we are the same people at the end. Then when you travel to the United States, um, people just dismiss all of this background and just put you like, oh, this is your new type. You are Latino. And in some way, this takes from you a lot of colors, a lot of culture, a lot of stuff because people just put you in a little box Mm -hmm. where nobody else cares about anything else. You are just Latino, so you should act, talk, work, and dress in some way because you are just Latino. We don't really care about which country, from where comes from your family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When I was in Venezuela, uh, when I was a very child, I just looked pretty white. Nobody cares about it. When I start um, having this bird covering my face, starting high school, people start making questions. You are from here. Yeah, actually, my grandpa is from Turkey. That's the reason how I look like I look. Oh, got it. No more questions. Uh here people is like you are Egyptian, you are Arabic, you are Latino. Well, I am Latino, but okay, we don't care anything else. You are Latino, but with a bird, just that. You are very white for being a Latino, but
1: okay.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're just targeting a little box in some way,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and when you are in Latin America, that not happens because people in some way enjoy how rich is your blood, how many cultures and ancestry you have in your blood. Oh, your family comes from Paraguay, that's so cool. And what kind of food do you have in your house? Um, which color is your house? Because we've we identified that kind of things like if you come from Colombia, they have a strong um, preference for houses in red, in orange, in brown. If you come from Venezuela, it's very common that people uh, paint the houses on yellow and on green in some way. Uh, We have a lot of greenhouses around. So, all of this is part of our culture that when you come to the United States in some way, it's different. And you just need to use to live with that. But at the same time, you need to continue trying to accept that you are different. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's
2: like, okay, I I know that you're trying to put me in that box, but I'm not going to let you put me in the box.
1: Yeah. And it's it's so uh, right on. And it's funny because, like, we have planned to talk about certain things and now. Here we are talking about something completely different, but it's so rich and important that people understand that not all of us, not because you put a label on us, yeah, we're going to accept it.
2: Exactly.
1: We, we know who we are. We know where we come from. We know the, the similarities between us, the differences between us. But having that knowledge doesn't make us dislike each other. Quite the opposite. It makes us like each okay. other we enrich our cultural experiences from each other and also our magic. And and I didn't know, Elo, that I was going to jump into the book, but I <laughs> think it's it's time. I mean, yeah. yes, we, we're going to talk about your, how you started and, and how you-
2: People is here for it.
1: But this is about, because everything that we just talk about, and I know how important it was for you, that everything that you just said was packed into this book. All our differences, all our similarities, all our voices. There's something you say, into the, and, and for people that don't know which book, in case you didn't read the description, we're talking about Dream Witchery, the book that just came out, like about a, two months ago. Uh, Folk Magic Recipes, Spells from South American, from Witches and Brujas. By Elohim Lafar, obviously, but you have so many collaborators from all over the world, all the different colors of tapestries of brujeria, magia, etc. And you have said time and time again how important it was for you to have all different colors, all different tapestries, all different threads represented yeah. from 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 or from or Latinidad. You know, if they want to call it that. Um, So tell us where "Green Witchery" comes from. Where is this book coming from?
2: Well, uh, I have a lot of this collection of journals that I bring with me from Venezuela. I because when you are doing your migration, you know that all your life is just packed into suitcases. That's what the airplane lets you have. Uh, you need to pack all your life in there, all your documents. I mean, you look around your house right now, everything that you have the tapestries the chairs the the table the bed your fridge your tv and all of these things are yours for the moment that you are migrating to another place you just need to pack two two suitcases it's everything that you can put in there and for me like my traditions my family is like super important so i need to put all of this together in just one suitcase i put all of my journals and I say to me, I, I whatever happens in there, I have my journal with me, I have my recipes. That's, the, that's how I create my other books. I just pack, okay, what I have here, I have all of these recipes on Charmage, so let me put all of these recipes for charmas together. And I was having these, all of these recipes I was translating to English, all of these recipes for drinks Magic because I was preparing some workshops in the past and I was with this idea like I would really like to make a book on dreams magic but it will be complicated because the perception or conception of dreams magic in the western culture is very different from Latin America especially when you are not a Latino who up or born in the United States but when you come from outside culture hits different because sometimes you sit down for example this happens to me a lot when you go to a Venezuelan restaurant in New York City. Um, this, they are, they make amazing food, but you feel a very strong Western influence in the food. And you are tasting the arepas, and you are tasting the empanadas, and you are like, this, you know, have a good flavor, but this obviously you know, was made for a Venezuelan mom in her house, cooking arepas at 5 a.m. with a lot of uh, sunflower oil, with the smell of the oil for all the kitchen, with a lot of cheese and butter in there. You take the arepa and you say, oh, this was made for my mom or for my uncle, for my grandma, or for my grandpa, or for my dad. It is made in a restaurant. So they have different recipes, have different influence, and the flavor hits different.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: the food is also with magic, it's also with clothes, it's also with everything. So I was like, you know, I have this advantage in some way that, when people say to me, Oh, I come from Colombia, and I say, Oh, uh, how do you prove this and this and this and this? And they are like, No, my family comes from Colombia, but I was born here. So, in some way, I feel like I know more about their culture than themselves. And for me, Dream Witchery really was that, was like, Okay, I have the, the chance to speak for all of these people because I not just come from Venezuela, I come literally from Amazonas, and Amazonas have this. All this history of magic and culture and tribes and warriors and the spirits and people travel from all parts of the world to try ayahuasca in Amazonas, to try cacao ceremonies in Amazon. Amazonas. And I see how people here in the United States have made all of this big thing like, oh, you try ayahuasca, and for us it's something that we just do. It's like drinking water. And people is like, oh, you know how to do cacao ceremonies. You should travel to ALA because in there this is a big thing and for us it's like, you know, we just take the cacao we just smash some seeds in there and we just prepare it with, with some liquid and the spices and people take it and it's just that. It's not like it's part of our culture but we don't see it like a big thing. something that we just give for granted because we have it. And I have all of this experience of my travels because my family grows in there so I have so many uh, things in my mind like if i, I noticed that every time that i talk about these kind of things people just sit down and listen without interruptions they just are like listening how rich is our culture and i am like yeah and when i'm talking about this i'm not just talking about amazonas i'm talking about all all latin american countries or latin american countries we have such a rich culture food colors we are obsessed with the colors we are obsessed with the spices we are obsessed with aromas we like when things highlight in some way and I was writing this book and I am a very social person for me my friends my family I I am my mother-in-law always say that I am a very person of service in some way like when people come to home for me it's super important that they are eating well that they are drinking well that they feel well I want people, I like when my friends come to my home and they can sleep here for two, three nights without any worries about anything. And I was feeling like maybe that is what the book needs, like that company, that spirit. So I start looking, maybe I can add one or two people or maybe three or maybe a dozen or maybe two dozen people. And I invite everybody possible. Some people, uh, I ask to everybody, like I ask, to you, do you feel comfortable with this? Some people say no for this on another reason. Okay, it's okay. The next one, the next one, the next one. Uh I put together all of these people because I wanted to represent the whole aspect of diversity. And one of my, the things that my husband says to me was I was checking other books similar to what you are doing with patrons, and most of the of them you stay through the same names, the same people from the same countries. It's like, you know, you need, if you are not uh, Amazon number one best-selling author, mostly uh, for sad reasons why you are not into these books, and it was like, okay, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to hit you harder. I'm going to bring everybody here without any barrier. If you are from France, if you are from uh, Colombia, you are from Cuba, you are from Dominican Republic, if you are from... Mexico, I just want you here. Whatever you can bring to the conversation is something that will enrich the conversation. Whatever color you can bring to the table, we need to enjoy that color. So I invite everybody that I could, and everybody makes some kind of very special recipe for the book, which was amazing because I just sit down to read all of these spells and I see how, in some way, I just give to everybody a chance, like, okay, you have a chance to put a recipe and everyone makes the most perfect recipe that they could share. Something that represent their culture, but, but also represent their tradition, their magic, their knowledge, their practice. And that was like, you know, when you see all of this in the book, in some way it's so beautiful, because you have like the best of every person, of every practice, every tradition, of every country. It was magnificent for me. And then when I was doing the book, I uh, my editor was asking me, from where comes this recipe? And I said to her, well, this comes from this tribe in Amazonas. You know, when you travel to the Orenoco River and you go to the right side, you cross this mountain, you will see a letter in there. And she was like, you need to put all of that in the book. Because we don't have other books like these ones out there. and We are now in an age in witchcraft literature where everybody's looking for your sources from where you bring this information and sadly we don't have these kind of books in english so i didn't have like too much to put in a bibliography in a glossary because we don't have books of people from latin america talking about ayahuasca we don't have books from people from latin america talking about cacao we have a lot of German, white, English speaker people talking about ayahuasca, but well, I don't want that. I want people from Latin America who practice this. So what's my homework to sit down for like eight months just to write down, guiding myself for history books. So I was asking to my mom from high school, like, I need you to send me all my books that you have because you know how Latinos. We iterate for school books to the cousin, to the daughter, to the son, to the sister. and I was like, I need you to send me pictures of all of this because in our history classes, they teach us, you know, this is Venezuela, so we have the Guajiros, we have the Yanomamis, we have the, the topic, we have all of these um, different tribes in our country. And people from Colombia, people from Peru, from Nicaragua, El Salvador, Mexico, in every school, they teach you the same the history classes. This is our tribe. This is our tribal people before colonization. So I have all of these folders in my computer with pictures uh, from the scanners of all of these history books from childrens at home. Uh, there was all the time calling to my cousins and to my nephews. I need you to send me more information about this. uh, Because for me, they are Yanomamis, and when I grow up, they were called Yanomamis, but now, 20 years later, I don't know if they have a different name because everything has changed, Mm -hmm. like like the pronouns, or culture, maybe some information out there that have been lost, so I need everything that you can send me on this, and... So I just pack all of this together and I add these different stories to every chapter. Like from where comes this spell? Well, let me tell you that the Arawak people do this and the Guajiros do that and the Guayos do that and the Yanomamis do this in this way. And in some way, because don't see it like Latin modern American culture, see it like real Latin American culture pre-colonization. That's what I is what I was trying to do in the book. If you take this spice from this plant, but you decolonize the spice, which is the flavor and the name of the spice. And that was my work in the book. Let me try to decolonize all Mm -hmm. of this work. Let me try to decolonize all of this culture that we have about dreams magic, because the Western perception about dreams magic is that dreams, in some way, are underrated, it's just, it's just, oh, you know, it's dream. You should have some guide spirit in there. You are receiving messages. Sometimes you are dreaming about the future and just that. But in Latin American culture, dreams are a real big thing. This is the big deal because awakened, you can do everything. But when you are sleeping, this is a different story. What you can do when while you are sleeping. We have very strong culture about that. Like Our ancestors communicate with us directly in our dreams. When... Our ancestors pass away in the tribes, and they throw the body into the river, or they burn the body and throw the ashes into the river, and they see all of these ashes um, uh, blending into the water. For them, in their culture, all the ashes are blending in the water, going to the world of the dreams. So now, when we sleep, we can connect again with our ancestors because we just throw physically our ancestors in the dream world. We have all of this amazing culture before the colonization happened so my work in the book was let me colonize everything that we think that we know about this magic and let me put all of this together and when somebody because happens a couple of times which are your credentials for doing this my credentials is the fact that i'm born in amazon of venezuela this is my birth certificate and i come from venezuela i don't grow up here i grew up in there doing ayahuasca for the tourists i grew up in there doing cacao for the visitors who come from Ireland, who come from England, who come from Japan. I grew up in there doing soup next to the river, next to the Orinoco. When the travelers arrived in Amazonas looking to buy snake oil, that people have a very weird conception here in the United States that snake oil in some way is some kind of joke. No, we actually made snake oil using real snakes that we put in a recipe, in a bottle, and we take the skin of that snake and we use it for amulets. What for junior culture, is a joke for us. It's our magic tradition, religious thing that is very important. So I just try to pack all of this together. And in every step of the process, I feel so supported for leveling and for my editor. They were at every step, not just respectful, but also inspiring. They were like, you can make this deeper, you can take this story longer, you can expand this chapter, you can put more details in this area, you can invite someone else who can talk about this, you can expand the material. And they was like, yes, I have so much material that I was just trying to shortcut in some way, because for industry books right now, I just want to do very small books, and Mm the book was just growing and growing and growing in a point that it was like, okay, we have here like 300 pages. And the editor was like, you understand how much you can. Not made up anything, just keep your sources and put information in there, and we will work on that. And then when we were talking like, you know, this is around 400 pages, they were like, that's okay. We don't really care about that. You just do your work. We We can hear not about the quantity of the pages, We are here to work on the quality of the book. That's what we care here. And they were like super supportive at every step. You know, I need to add all of these features. And they say, yes. I need to add all these illustrations. They say, yes. I need these colors. They say, yes. Uh, How do you like um, the cover? Well, I have this idea and this idea. And they, they, they send me something that was beyond my imagination. I was like, yes, I love it. This is totally not what I was thinking, but it's beautiful. And it's very representative of the book. And even when I was working in the illustration, they have Leveling worldwide. It's very well known because they have all of this team of marketing uh, designers and illustrators, people who do an amazing job. And I was like, I understand that you have the best team in the world. But here I need someone who comes from Venezuela, someone that when I'm talking with the person and they say, You know, I need an illustration of la mascara del Diablo de Yare. This person says, Oh, I know how to do it because I was there. So mm-hmm. I was like, Let me ask to my husband if he can make the illustration. I immediately say yes, and I just need to talk with him. You know, you remember the time that we traveled to Yaracu and we see this. Oh, yes, the guy with the horns that was in a wall. Yes, I need to put that in a draw, And we put all of that together in the book. So in some way, the book was exactly what I wanted. Don't have any boundaries, don't have any wall, don't have any restriction. Even when the recipe sometimes feels like this could hit very odd for an American culture, when it was like, okay, you just put a note, footnote, note, but keep the recipe don't change anything because we want it so raw, so authentic as it is.
1: Yeah, And the thing with with our cultures and our cultures before colonization, it has been so romanticized. The same that has happened here in the United States, right? As if our native indigenous people disappeared, banished, you know? And the truth is, like you say, not only they haven't, we didn't vanish, we have still our indigenous culture and instead of romanticizing that culture, actually the culture has evolved and we still have our roots that are tied to hundreds and hundreds of years even before colonization and we are not reclaiming, we're not trying to do it like they did a thousand years ago But we are learning why they did those things Mm
0: -hmm. and bring
1: that into 2023. And I love when you talk about the snake oil because first of all, and and please forgive me what I'm going to say, how ignorant, because a lot of medicine, a lot of life-saving medicine come from snake, snake venom and, and working with snakes. So the phrase, you know, the snake oil, yeah, it's very derogative. It's kind of like when people say black magic, we're not going to get into that. But, you know, it's just derogatory, it's just diminishing uh, cultures that you don't understand. And and another thing, remember when we did the show, the amazing shows about the New Year's, right? Yeah. We We have all this traditions and uh people call it uh superstitions right but they have a root they have a reason there is a reason why we do things the way we do them and i think you've done a great great job on this book to explain like this is why we do this because our ancestors did this and that and it comes from this experience or it comes from this uh proven thing another thing that I find fascinating about the work on this book and your work in general I love how you talk about it's not only the uh, published authors because I myself I'm in that kind of limbo right I'm not a published author so I'm not like oh my god super famous she's written a million books but I have like a million hours of podcasts right so yeah. the understanding that our tradition. Our Pardon me?
2: And you also have years of practice that
1: we know. Except decades. Decades hmm. of practicing. And it's so fetishized right now. Like, oh, if you're not a published author, bestseller, maybe you're not it. And what you did for this book and what you do in your practice in general is like, no, let's honor oral tradition. How are we going to prove that this knowledge is there is... My credential says, like you say, my birth certificate. I was born in Mexico, I grew up with this. That's my credential. I know this knowledge because it was passed down. I suckle it from my mother's breast. you know that's how yeah. I learned these things. And there is such fetish, fetishizing, you know, oh just the author, just the reference, just the academia. No, ma'am, we don't we don't come from that world. Or academia is the soil. Or academia yeah, well, is
2: the cacao seeds or academia is Exactly. We, we at like, like we don't want we are not trying to means someone because it's academic, because people is but but that is not not or culture. When you come from Latin America, everything is different, the food is different, language is different. Um for us, you know, academia is something I know when I say fancy, but it's something that not every Latin American person have the chances, even in their own countries, in their own culture, because it's something very limited for us, so we do the best that we can with, with the resources that we have and For us, it's like, okay, you know I can't graduate on this or I'm going to take something different, and I'm going to do my best in this area, and you can't just put everything in paper because this is like when someone breaks the law and go with a lawyer to a very large judge and it's a whole process in there it's not that oh you break the rule the, the rules so this is what you need to pay it's a lot of conversation between lawyers because everything have a great area and um, now we have that are like oh you know i i put all of these sources in the book so the book is you know in some ways packed in the best way no sometimes the best sources are not other books, are other people who have years of practice. Because if you just made this course on witchcraft for 10 years, yeah, you learn a lot. That, we can't say anything about it, you learn a lot. But how many years practice do you have? It's like one of the best moments or, well, I don't want to sound arrogant, but one of the moments when I feel more like proud of myself in the recent years was when I was having this conversation with a with a witch in New York. They invite me to do some tobacco work. and we sit down. We bless the tabacos. We start we just burning the tabacos, just to clarify to everybody listening. This when I talk about tabacos or tabacos, we are not talking about cigarettes or tabacos with uh, any kind of. Uh, chemical addictive ingredient we are just using tobacco leaves from the tobacco trip we pack all of these we put some time, some oils uh in there to keep them like in form we let them dry to the sunlight for some weeks and that's what we burn. born we are not putting cocaine in our body it's just tobacco leaves and we do this ritual and in some way, they see what I was doing, and I was feeding the tobacco, and I was like, okay, pass me the next one, pass me the next one, pass me the next one. And they see that they just stopped after the second one, and I was like, what are you doing? And they say, well, I just did, you know, my two tobacco stuff with one. I was like, I'm not going to do anything else? Because when you are in Venezuela, I mean, if you travel to the La Montaña del Sorte, the Sorte Mountain. In Yaraquy, Venezuela, which is this magical place dedicated uh, to many spirits, including Maria Leonza, people pass the whole night burning tobacco. You can just burn like 100 tobaccos in one night because people travel there to make a very strong cleansing. And it's not just that the smoke of the tobacco is cleaning you. You are also using the tobacco to make a reading. You can read the future in the tobacco. You are reading the ashes. You are reading the, uh, the smoke. used use it for cleansing, but you are also using it for good fortune, for love, for cleaning paths, for so many things. And we have even different ways to do it because I have bought tobaccos in Venezuela, in Colombia, in Brazil, and in Argentina. And in four countries, we do it in the same way. You take one that you burn it in reverse, you pray it three times, then you, burn the ashes, you throw the ashes to your left to let everything go during the cleansing, then you take the next one and you burn it in the right side after print the tobacco and you can burn one, two, three, one hundred in one whole night. And we do that. And when you translate the conversation here to the United States, people have just read, oh, you know, Latin American people born to- uh smoke tobacco for cleansing. So they just take one tobacco, they burn it and they just throw the ashes to any place. Um, oh, I did the cleansing. Well, you didn't the cleansing. You just smoke a tobacco. It's different because you don't have the background. And I was explaining all of this to my friend, the York, and they were like, and you do all of that? Yeah. And how many tobaccos do you smoke? I mean, I have never smoked 100. But I had smoked 20, 26 when I was like 16 years old. I remember that my mom bring this client with us and she, this person really needed a big thing because she was her life was a whole disaster. And we sit down to smoke. And that was the first time that my mom put me to smoke tobacco because she says, I really need help in this case because all the readings of her are the worst and a, a lot of things happening in her personal life. And we feel like, you know, this is kind of person that is like, she will die tomorrow. It's that kind of extreme situation. So we all sit down and they start just smoking one tobacco after another, after another, after another. And the next day, yes, I feel like crap because I was too young for that. But that gave me the strength to now, 30 years later, I can do it just easily. And I just take the tobacco and I just read the whole person. Like, for example, you have a headache and you take some pills and you're like, this headache is not going away. Something's happening here. Maybe some kind of witchcraft, some kind of magic, bad eye, something like that. So just smoke a tobacco and you just see the white ashes and you say, oh, I can see the person in there. I see these eyes. I see the nose. Oh, I, I know who is this person. And you just reverse any magic against them using the same tobacco. It's that whole background that you learn from your experience that is not resourced in a book.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because you just learn it doing it.
1: Yes, exactly. And it is it is that richness of oral tradition and the practice, right? It has yeah. to do with like trial and error, how you practice, how you learn it, and it doesn't always come from a book. It comes from what your mom did, what your cousin did. I have talked about this uh, before on some of my shows. When we talk about, um, oh, my God, what is the what is it called? Uh, unverified personal gnosis, right? The unverified yeah. personal gnosis. And I read on all of the books. I don't know if you remember, uh, Elohim, but I practice a lot with God, Mercury. For whatever reason, it's the Roman gods that knock on my door, right? among the Aztecs. And I work with Fortuna and Mercury. And on every book I read, on every uh, article that I read online, it says, you know, Mercury loves plants. Mercury loves especially climbing plants, you know, enredaderas. And I had a window already, and that window was covered with a beautiful purple climbing plant and that's where i put the altar and the plant died like quickly and so i tell people like yeah i read it on every book that he loves climbing plants but my mercury does not love plants and i try with a different plant and it kill it and i tried to a different plant and it kill it and what they like is flowers so i put flower i put fl- fresh flowers there you know and in the winter here in chicago you know a, a bouquet of fresh flowers is 20 dollars. i don't care Because I keep putting the flowers there for Mercury. It's kind of like that, you know? Yeah, you can read it on 20 books, but if if in your personal practice it doesn't work, it's just not going to work. So you got to find what works for you. And and the amount of wisdom that you have on this book, in this book, uh, for those who are catching up, Dream Witchery, Folk Magic, Recipes and Spells from South America, for Witches and Brujas by Eloy Lafar. I'm gonna read your list of collaborators. Eloy, no. that is okay with you. Ariana Carrasca, Uncle Ben, Maria Elena U, Miss Ada. That's my J. mom. Huh? That's,
2: That's my mom, mom That's my mom, yes. I invite
1: her. That is so beautiful. Miss Ada, J. Allen, Allen Cross, Lorraine Montegot, Hector Salva, Laura Gonzalez, that's me, Phoenix Coffin Williams, <laughs> Jennifer sacasa Wright, Donna Rora Hunt, Ali Kravitz, Mira, Myra A. Gade, Laura Davila, Daphne Laichisera. for those who don't know, Emma Catherine, Temperance Eldon, Mawia K. El Jamambomani, who was here two weeks ago, and Ella Harrison. What a beautiful range of people, and yes, humbly, I'm on that list, but it's just rich, and so many people from so many different places and so many different cultures. Now, this book, like Elohim says, is 400 uh, pages, but almost... What I love about it is a lot of books, you have to read two, three chapters before you get to the first exercise, so before you get to the first spell. Yeah, no, we mean. Book, <laughs> and this book is like on the second page, boom, an exercise. And then on the fifth page, boom, here's a recipe. Um, how many, do you know how many recipes are here? There has to be a at least.
2: I know the publisher uh, knows, and they put it in some place, but I really don't remember, I, because... I am not an academic, I am from the practice, I if I sit down in a class and you just give me like 20-30 minutes of theory of from where this comes from, I'm just bored, I just want to know how to do things, I want to do the things and I want to feel something, I want to feel magic, I want to know that I am able to do things and I want to teach that to someone else, so for I, I I just was like, how do you do this? OK, let me put the exercise that I made for that. Or oh, how you can uh, contrast this effect? Oh, we have a recipe for that. Let me add the recipe. Uh, just from my knowledge, I just put it down in there. Because I am a practitioner. And I'm all the time like, what I can do? If you do something, even if you're from a different culture and you're doing something in a different language, I will be like, Laura, what are you doing? And how are you doing it? And who teach you that? And do you think I can do it? Okay. And I will try to do it immediately. And this will not result at the first time. And then will try for a second time, a third time. And then we will have a conversation. Laura, this is not working for me. And you will explain me why. And I will try to find another way because I'm obsessed like that. And when this finally works and I say, oh, this is this is working for me or for one client of me, Laura, this is really working. So the modification that you did in this spell or in this... Uh, Crafting thing, team, this really works for me. Take that note for future, and then I pass to the next exercise because I just want to do stuff. It's my thing. And I didn't want to boring people like, oh, you know the story of dreams magic is, and the term dreams come from the Latin, jada yada. You don't care about that. You can find that on the internet. I want to put you to make things with your hands.
1: Mm-hmm. And that is what that is part of the oral tradition right yeah we, we learn uh at least in mexico you know i remember you learn by doing it by trial yeah. and error by repetition by practicing time and again and sometimes your teachers will be looking at you and they know you're gonna mess up and they just keep looking at you kind of like i'm gonna let you fall so you How can pick you yourself that? up and and that's, that's the way it is, you know, you ask questions, you ask questions, you communicate with the divine.
2: By like the names of the, um, in, in Mexican culture, the names of your volcanoes and gods and goddesses, you're not going to learn how to pronounce that right in it. It's impossible. You need to practice over and over and over to being able to pronounce Popo Capetel, I think it is. Um Exactly. You you can write down that, and you can make a whole calligraphy on that, and you will not learn how to no. pronounce it. You no. The practice to pronounce every god, every goddess, every spirit, every volcano of Mexico, and that and in the practice of doing it is how you will learn to really doing it. No just writing it down and saying to the people, oh, this is right down in this way and it's pronounced in this another way, that no. Works. And that's why,
1: and this nobody knows. This is the first time I'm I'm saying this out loud. So this is the first time you are going to know. My ritual, my spell that I put on this book, I'm actually sending you to a place to see people who are the rulers of that place. The dreamland is Mictlan and who you're talking to on on the spell that I wrote is Mictlan de Kutli and Mikteka You know, these are the rules. But like you say, you know, why would I put the name there? Like what I want you is to do the thing. I don't want you to learn the name. And we go back to this like academic fixation with like, you know, what are your sources? Practice. Practice. Yeah. Practice. The, that, the,
2: that, that. Source.
1: yeah. And so when you for those who know, for those who know, for those who are Mexican and read the piece that I wrote they will recognize it. They will be like, oh, I know what you're talking about. But for those who don't recognize it, you don't need to recognize it. You need to practice it. You need to do it. You need to commute with the energy and then you'll learn who they are and you'll call it whatever you call it on your culture, you know, but it's the same thing. Uh, Elohim, I cannot believe we are on top of the hour. I don't want to let you go without saying two things. The first thing and the most important one This book is a labor of love, not only for Elohim, but for a lot of us who were so honored and happy to be part of the book and to all of our very rich, very, very different, and at the same time, very similar Latin American uh, practitioners of magic. And it has been a success from the get-go, it has been on first places on retailers and Amazon and all that. So what I'm going to ask people is, A, buy the book, because it's a great piece of information and culture, and B, rate your book. Go to Goodreads and leave a review. Go to Amazon and leave a review. You don't have to leave, leave a essay about the book. You can just say, I bought the book, and I like it, and that's all you need to do. That helps the authors a great deal. Uh, You can find the book on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes & Noble. You can find it anywhere that you get your books. Um, We always recommend that you go to your local witchy bookstore, botanicas, stores, places where people hang out. If they don't have it, your store can call Llewellyn, and I'm sure Llewellyn finds a way for you to get the book. Uh, with all of that said, Elo, I know you have a huge presence on socials. You're always busy. I don't know how you do it because <laughs> I don't know how you do it. But um, I know you also have plans for things that are going to be happening this year. I want you to talk a little bit about that before I uh, before we go.
2: Okay. After everybody listening to this show, uh, the last Sunday of January, I will be signing books on the Little Magic Shop in New York City, uh, the last Sunday of January. I say that because I don't remember which number it is. that's uh, me being honest. 28. 28, perfect. And during the month of May, we have our Sorcery Hour. Our Sorcery Hour is this uh, magical uh, virtual event, accessible for everyone. Is this not a free event? Because for me, it's very important that everybody receive a payment for their, for their work, for the hour, for their time because presenters they sit down for hours, sometimes for days to prepare a, a presentation and we can give for granted their work. But also, I think it's the most accessible event for everybody. I don't remember which was the price last year, but I literally made the price lowest as possible just to literally pay for the system, to pay for the organization, the publicity, and the presenters. We will have around 14 or 15 presenters this year, including our host, Laura Gonzalez. Um, I have other presenters that I will be telling you soon that is happening in May. And also that I don't have... uh, Right now, other things in the top of my head, but I'm doing a lot of things but I don't remember in this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, it is really easy to find Elohim. You can go to Instagram, you can go to Threads, you can go to Facebook. Uh,
2: everywhere. I am like the grand leads. You put water and they just multiply. And
1: And I honestly admire your online presence because I know how hard it is. And you really are... You, you talk the talk and you walk the walk, man. And it's not easy to do that because you say you're going to support community and you are supporting community. And that is very important for all of us uh, because some of us haven't got there yet to write the whole book. You know, some of us have thousands of hours on podcast, probably not thousands, but hundreds of hours on podcasts and let's stop fetishizing books so much and give support to other people that are doing other things which is one of the very first things that you mentioned in your book and i have my eternal gratitude for you to to bring that to the forefront you know that it's not just about writing the book it's it's also about practice it's also about years of um learning and trial and error and experience like when did experience went out the window you know like we have to honor experiences in in the people and thank you for also inviting me to the um magic magic hour i forgot the name our sorcery hour hour. thank you for inviting me to that i'm so thrilled and i can't wait until we get there and and thank you for being on the show. You are one of the people that I really love a lot and I admire a lot your work. And thank you for being on the show and thank you for inviting me to Dream Witchery.
2: Same feelings from here to there.
1: And thank you for everybody who are, who are listening. Uh, before we go, I got to remind you all, uh, listen to CSMP, the Circle Century Enabled Podcast. We have shows two Tuesdays a month. We have Circle Talk. Uh, Wednesday, one Wednesday a month, we have Circle of Nature. Two Fridays a month, we have Song of the Pagan Tribe. One Friday a month, we have Blue Marble. Every Saturday, we have Paganos del Mundo, Pagans of the World, Pagaus do Mundo in Spanish and Portuguese. And two Mondays a month, we have Lunatic Mondays. We have over a thousand hours of podcasts on CSMP, the Circle Center Enable Podcast. They're all free. You can come, you can listen, you can download, you can share with your friends, you can keep for your archives thousands of hours of podcasts that we do as a labor of love for you, including this one. So Elohim, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll leave you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience.
2: Good night, everyone. Please remember to still support in podcasts, stores, because we don't have many places where we feel safe in this community. And these few places that we have, we need to try to keep them safe. We need to try to protect them and to endorse them and to highlight them in some way, because having a podcast or having a store for our community is a very big deal.
1: Thank you so much, Elohim, and thank you for everybody who listening. And as I always tell you, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.